Hello and welcome to the Deakheads podcast. My name is Rob Delves, and as always, I'm joined by Sean Jessamine and Damon Bednarski. Firstly, hello to you, Sean. How are you, mate? I'm good, Rob. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good to see there's a bit of enthusiasm in Packham for this recording. Very good. Glad to see it. Yeah, I bet it is. And of course, we've got Damo, who's still up in Sydney. Damo, there's what's been going on with the Renegades, mate? We've seen super over victories. Mate, talk us through it. Yeah, there's a bit going on up here with the Renegades. We've uh, had probably all of the highs and lows you could possibly have in a tournament. A couple of players ruled out with long-term injuries. Quite a few losses. And then uh, the two wins we have had have been the top side. So just mm. the giant killers, really. And and most importantly, you've knocked off the crosstown rivals in the Melbourne Stars. Like that would have been the signature win of this competition, surely. Yeah. No, it doesn't get much better than that when you're beating the crosstown rivals. Um, probably could have been done in regulation time, but took it to a mm. super over and, uh, yeah, put 16 on the board, which is pretty tough to chase. So is there a bit of like, is there a bit of banter and a bit of, uh, a bit of jostling between uh, the Renegades and the Stars camp, particularly maybe even SNC coaches maybe going at it in terms of the uh, sledging? No, nah, Reese and I, not too much between us in terms no. of the banter about the game. Uh, pretty serious relationship there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we probably have a bit more of a laugh about it at the Renegades um, in general. But, yeah, no, it was pretty quiet down in the uh, corridor after the game. Yeah, <laughs> not, okay. not much said between <laughs> between camps. So, uh, yeah. Tail between their legs. <laughs> yeah, potentially, Sean. <laughs> Uh, very, that's very good. Uh, well, so what's the uh, what's the movement like then, Damo, for the rest of the uh, competition, mate? What are you, uh, what's your time frame like? When can we see uh, back in Victoria? We've got four games left. I think mathematically, if we win each of them and with a good net run rate, we could potentially play finals. But I'd say most likely you'll see me back in Melbourne Monday next week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back. Back in Victoria. The home of... Uh, or, the free land of coronavirus, it seems at the moment. Mm. So, uh, look, yeah, you wouldn't have thought that. But, yes, um, well, firstly, uh, before we get stuck into the uh, the next episode of the Deakheads podcast, we'd like to thank everybody for their support thus far. Um, we say it every week, but really does mean a lot to us. So, thanks for subscribing, liking, commenting on all the various platforms on YouTube and Spotify and the Apple iTunes podcast forums as well. So we really appreciate that. And if you have any any questions, queries, concerns, or critique of or short of Sean's performance, then please get in touch with us. Um, we're always happy to help out in any way we can. So let us know. And in fact, as a little brief little um, preview of the upcoming podcast, we did have a question that was sent in by one of our loyal band of Triax fan. Uh, followers in our family so we'll get to that later but um obviously if you have any questions send them in really love to uh to answer them for you just before so, you uh, finish there oh, rob as well i'd just oh. like to say uh thank you to everyone that's uh purchased some merch um we had quite a few orders come in um so much appreciation from us from for those that have purchased merch and um put a few dollars in the bank account to keep the business rolling Absolutely. Um, second those sentiments from Damo. A bit surprising that didn't come from Sean because that is his uh, 
that is his baby, the merch. I'm not sure okay. where Sean's well, mind at. Sean's mind's at at the moment. It's, still, it's yeah. still, uh, still on the back of the truck. It's on its way. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. But no, thanks. As Darrow said, thanks for everyone uh, for jumping on board. The gear is coming, so you can get out there and uh, look good in the trikes kit. But uh, in touching on our previous podcast, we looked at the return to gyms, particularly Victoria, the easing of restrictions. And so we wanted to continue on that theme because we know pre-season is rolling around pretty rapidly now for uh, a lot of team sports. So we wanted to touch on probably building your tank a bit. So in terms of aerobic training uh, and basically developing our aerobic capacity. So this is an important part of the pre-season puzzle that um, more athletes need to focus on. So, we thought we'd take the opportunity in this podcast to give a practical and hands-on approach to building your aerobic tank or building your engine, uh, as people like to say. And so, actually, yours truly will be a bit of a test dummy um, for this po- for this podcast. And as you would have seen maybe on the Instagram stories throughout the week, I was out at one of the uh, local running tracks and I uh, ran myself into the ground for this podcast. So I hope everybody appreciates that effort and sacrifice. But maybe, boys, uh, before we get into just how um, how big my VO2 max is, can we sort of maybe touch on uh, aerobic training methods and, and building our tank? Um, and, you know, we'll go from there, I think. So one of you boys want to kick us off? Yeah. So essentially you've got two energy pathways, anaerobic and aerobic. Um, anaerobic meaning without oxygen and aerobic is with oxygen um so aerobic training is essentially when you're for example running um and your muscles require oxygen uh to burn fuel um so essentially you're going to start out the body says shit we need more energy initially this is going to come from your anaerobic system um and it's going to come really quick uh, but it's going to deplete pretty quickly as well and then eventually your aerobic system will kick in um, but it does take a little bit of there's a bit of a little bit of lag time before um, that starts to kick in. So um, essentially, any activity from sort of thirty to sixty seconds onwards is probably going to be predominantly aerobic in nature. But the exact amount um, will vary depending on the activity. Very good. And demo. So I think you'll you'll have a lot of um a lot of knowledge in this area because I've received a lot of Snapchats from you over the journey in terms of you doing some running sessions. So do you maybe want to go into a bit more depth in terms of maybe some training as well around that? Yeah. Um, I'll put a plug in there first. So there's a nice little blog article on uh, the oh. Triax website <laughs> with about uh, building the tank, which uh, yours truly wrote. So um, if you want to have a read in a bit more detail about that, um, just check out the website on how to build your tank. But yeah, so as Shawnee was saying, so anything that's sort of um, between that's longer than that 30 to 60 seconds is in that aerobic um, category that we're looking at training. So there's a few different ways that you might do this. So the most basic that you can start with is just continuous running. So um, as simple as it sounds, you just run continuously for a set amount of time or a distance. um, And that is going to help develop your um, aerobic capacity. Now, obviously uh, the higher intensity you do this or the quicker you try to run that distance or time, um, the more improvements you're going to get. So that's the most basic method that you can use. Um, and then there's different methods that we can use. So if we want to start working at a higher intensity, so 
training ourselves to run at a quicker pace or um, for a particular distance, what you would then look at doing is potentially some interval running. So um, it might be fartlek, which a lot of people um, would have heard of before, where it's a um, high intensity bout. So you might say, for example, the simplest thing is if we have a soccer field, you might um, run the sidelines at a high intensity. And then what you'll do on the goal line portion of the field is run um, a low intensity or it might be a light jog. So what you're training yourself to do there is that you're running at that high intensity. Um, so above what your general maximum or continuous running speed would be. And then you're giving yourself a little break. So dropping the intensity right back, which might be a little jog or a walk in that smaller period to allow yourself to replenish. Um, it's a bit of rest and recovery in that period. And then you'll go again and run at that higher intensity. So essentially what you're trying to do with that training is, is to train your body to be able to function. Um, and as Sean was talking about is taking enough oxygen to continue to um, power your body to run at that speed. So um, that's probably, if you want to get improvements in your times, you need to start doing stuff like that. So fartlek's mm -hmm. probably the most basic. And then what you would look at doing is moving into more interval-based training. So there's many different ways you can do this. So um, you've got, your general hit, which is high intensity interval training. So a common one that we'll use and is in a lot of our um, articles and that we're going to touch on a little bit more detail later in the podcast, I believe is um, MAS, which is maximal aerobic speed. Now this is um, based on a 2K time or some sort of testing result that you've got. And so what happens is the intervals that you're running are based on your individual specific aerobic capacity. So again, this is to do with um, training at or above your capacity. So generally for MAS training, you'd be looking at sort of anywhere between 100 and 130% um, of your maximal aerobic speed is the, the prescription that you would use. Obviously the intensities there are a little bit higher each time. And the aim of that is to, again, train your body to function and run at a higher speed that's one of the versions there. So maximal aerobic speed through hit. Um, and then you've got some variations on that. So you've got short, high intensity interval training, which is shit. Um, literally it's shit, but, um, yeah, for more details on that one, I think we won't really touch on that too much in this, um, podcast, but again, uh, that's available in the blog post. No, very good. It's a good overview there, Damo. Some of the stuff that we'll probably talk about in a bit more depth later on. Uh, if, probably if we want to provide some historical context for aerobic training, like previously when you would discuss aerobic training to a lot of people, it would be that, that old uh, methodology of running basically long distances and basically running slow. You know, 10 years ago, footy teams would be running around the 10 and doing 3Kers and, and all that sort of stuff. But we now know that we're, we now know that that's probably not the most efficient means of, of training our aerobic capacity and our tank, um, particularly with team sport athletes, that it's probably not necessary to run that far given um, the movement patterns that we undergo in competition. So obviously we're going to have a, a bit more of an uh, emphasis and focus on the high-intensity work, uh, which we'll see some better, some greater benefit out of. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of um, aerobic training and aerobic capacity, we should probably talk about 
what our end goal is with actually uh, with aerobic training. Like what sort of benefits are we looking to achieve through aerobic training? And then maybe if we can define our aerobic capacity around that and why that would be important then for team sports. So Sean, if you want to uh, kick us off for this one. Yeah. So I guess as Damo was sort of saying before, um, any sort of aerobic training, you're looking to improve the amount of oxygen that you're, that your muscles can use to, to produce fuel. Um, and so when you hear the term aerobic capacity or VO2 max, this is the maximum amount of oxygen you can consume. Essentially all aerobic training, you're trying to get a higher VO2 max. That's going to be important for, for sports because essentially you'll pretty much just be able to run further and for a longer amount of time, which is obviously important when you're in the dying stages of a match. Um, but as well, you'll be able to recover a bit quicker um, in between those short and rapid bursts um, that you'll see within the match because team sports are obviously mostly uh, stop-start in nature. You're not, you're not running just one continuous speed for the whole, the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, essentially any, any aerobic training, you're trying to get that VO2 max up, um, improve the efficiency um, of your aerobic energy pathways so that you can... Um, produce energy and then replenish energy as well absolutely i think that's a um that's an important point that sean said there about the recovery as well i think that a lot of people when they train in this uh, will train to develop their aerobic capacity they forget about the importance of the aerobic energy pathways and the aerobic system in facilitating recovery particularly between your high intensity efforts as well so that's obviously um, for team sport and a lot of team, team sport athletes that's an important attribute that needs to be considered when you actually go undergo your um your pre-season programming as well so we've defined we've defined aerobic capacity and discussing why that would be important but demo how do we actually determine aerobic capacity like how do people go about that now i know before you actually say anything i think you've covered this in that blog as well so we'll probably, <laughs> probably just give that another quick plug so i've already done it for you so you can jump into it if you want yeah no nah, no more a plugging of that post um yeah so essentially you, you need to conduct some sort of test to figure out what your aerobic capacity is now the best and most accurate way to do this would be to conduct the vo2 max test in a laboratory obviously that um, isn't accessible to the majority <laughs> of our audience um, and is quite expensive um so there's other ways to do that. So yeah. the most common ones that you would see down at your local footy club or anything like that would be um, a 2K time trial. So any sort of set distance uh, running test. So it could be 2K, 1500, 1200, a 1K. Um, you just need a set distance that you're going to cover. And then essentially how you would determine it from that is uh, you collect the time that it takes you to run that set distance. And then there's various formulas out there for the different distances that you can then put that time into. And then that will spit out a number for you that which will give you essentially what your um, VO2 max is um, from that. So that's one of the most common would, would just be a set distance run um, as quick as possible. Then there's other variations, obviously, um, most people would have done it before at school during PE would be the beep test, um, which is again, the same system. So you run until you can't go anymore. And then the score that you get then correlates on a table to a specific, um, VO two max. So again, there's formulas and tables available to figure out what that is that can then be used to, um, 
prescribed training with uh, things such as MAS, which we'll again talk about a little bit later. Uh, then there's a few other different ones out there as well. So there's the yo-yo um, test and the yo-yo, there's a yo-yo one and a yo-yo two. So they're slightly different. Um, these tests uh, have changes of direction. So the beep test obviously is just straight up and down, but there's changes of directions in some, there's rest periods in some. Uh, again, it all depends on what you what sport you're in. So some are a bit more sport specific than others. So um, there's a lot of information out there now about what tests you should potentially do. Um, national sporting bodies, a lot of the time will also have information out there. So um, previously the AFL used the beep test and now they've moved to the yo-yo test, I believe, Rob, is that correct? Yep. That is correct. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. And then there's, there's a couple others out there as well. So there's the 30, 15 and, a couple others, but I mean, the, the most likely ones that you'll see at your local footy club would be the set distance. So the 2K or um, the beep test or the yo-yo. They're the, the most common three yeah. that you would, you would see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the beep, like, everybody knows a beep test. So that's why when you say beep test, I think it, um, it probably brings back a lot of horrors for some people. Uh, for other people, you sort of remember the good old days when you knocked off a 15-5. Apparently that's good. I'm not sure, but, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty happy with myself that day. Mind you, I weighed about 55 kilos, so I could just run for days. Um, <laughs> but so Damo also raises a good point in terms of like set distance tests, actual the maximal tests around beeps and yo yo tests, they should be sport specific. So a beep test is a real, is a beep test is essentially like a continuous sort of testing, whereas a yo yo has more of the stop start with the break period in between. That's important for AFL footy um, and soccer and, and sports along those lines. So you should try and match the test with your movement patterns and your sports. So that's an important point. So don't go and do a 3K time trial if you're like a rugby league athlete or something along those lines. So make sure it's uh, horses for courses and spe- uh, specific. So now we know the tests demo, uh, or Sean actually. Sean hasn't seen anything for a while. I'm not sure if he's still there. But um, – uh, when do we test, uh, Sean? When's probably the best time that we can do our testing for aerobic capacity? Typically, you're probably going to do it on a few separate occasions. You'll probably do it start of the preseason, uh, just before the Christmas break, and just after the Christmas break. I don't think there's any real science behind it. I think for the most part, it's helping to keep players accountable so that they <laughs> don't drink too drink too many beers or that sort of thing. Yes. Um, and they at least get get a little bit of running done so they can at least maintain what what they sort of had at the end of the season or the end of the preseason. So but otherwise, if you're just training individually, um, you'll probably do it at the start of some sort of assessment. As Damo was saying, you can um, get your... So you sort of know where you're sitting and then you can prescribe your training from there. Um, and then you might retest after every four to eight weeks or so just to see where you're at. And then you can update your sort of your training prescription. If you're an individual individual athlete, I think that's a great point that you sort of have to be more self-paced with your testing. But if you're a team sport athlete, then obviously you'll do the stereotypical first one um, at the start of preseason, then probably one after Christmas or before the season starts itself. So after we've done our testing and you know, we finished our beep, our yo-yo or our time trial, we obviously get from a beep test, you'll get a result. So you get like a your shuttle or your level score and the same with the yo-yo and and with a time trial, we'll get uh, obviously our time. So what we can do with our results um, from either the beep, the yo-yo or the time trial is formulate 
our um, basically form our aerobic capacity through some equations, but we can also then try and go about improving our aerobic capacity through um, a particular thing that Damon was talking about before in terms of our maximal aerobic speed. So when we finish the testing and our beep, our yo-yo, our time trial, we can obtain our maximum aerobic speed, which is a measure that is uh, presented in meters a second. So this is probably um, a crucial element in the development of our aerobic capacity, which I think the boys would love to talk about. So maybe Damo or Sean, if we can um, go in a bit more further detail in maximal aerobic speed. Yeah, so maximal aerobic speed. So it, this is a measure of um, the slowest speed, I guess you can run at, where you get maximal oxygen uptake. So simply, as I was saying earlier in the, the podcast, so what happens is with maximal aerobic speed is once you've got that result, we can actually put your time into a formula. And what that will do is um, spit out a number for us, which is your maximal aerobic speed. Um, we can then use this to... Uh, that number to figure out how far you should run in a certain amount of time. And so by giving you that set distance to run in a set amount of time, this is the distance based on your aerobic capacity that you can run in that set amount of time or that you should be able to achieve. So uh, for example, if uh, Rob got an eight minute 2k time trial time, um, we've got a little equation that we've got here and, and it figures out that Rob's MAS score is 4.35. Um, so when we get that score, we can then use that to figure out the meters per second that he runs, which is that 4.35 meters per second. So if we were going to get him to run um, for, I'll just put in spreadsheet here. So if we wanted him to run at a hundred percent of his maximal aerobic speed for 20 seconds, Rob would need to run 87 meters. So when we have this data and information, we can then start prescribing training sessions to get Rob to run set dis that set distance. So if we wanted to train him for hundred percent of his maximal aerobic speed, we'd potentially go, all right, three, lots of 10, 20 seconds on 20 seconds off. Um, he needs to cover 87 meters each interval up and down. So this is that interval training that we're talking about. If we then want to start to increase the intensity and get Rob to run faster than 4.35 meters per second, what we can then start doing is increasing uh, the percentage of maximal aerobic speed that we run at. So um, as I was saying earlier in the podcast, generally you'd be operating anywhere between 100 and 130% of maximal aerobic speed when you're prescribing training. So um, if I just pull up the spreadsheet here, uh, if Rob was then to run at 110% of his maximal aerobic speed, he'd be covering 96 metres in 20 seconds. And then 120% would be 104 metres and 130% would be 113 metres. So as you can see, it progressively gets a little bit further that you've got to run each time. And obviously that's going to make Rob a lot more cooked the further that he the runs engine. in that time. Yeah. So um, I guess the important thing with that, when we're prescribing this type of training is that at the hundred percent territory where he's covering 87 meters, we can prescribe higher amounts of volume of training. So, you know, I said three by 10, you could potentially do four sets of 10. Uh, when we're moving up to the 130%, um, we certainly wouldn't be asking Rob to run 
113 meters in 20 seconds, four sets of 10. Um, he'd be he'd find a way. Gassed. He'd find he'd a way potentially, way. but he'd be absolutely gassed. So um, we have mentioned it earlier in previous podcasts about how when you're increasing um, training volume or intensity, it should be by 10%. So the same rule would apply here. So if we're moving up 10% of his maximal aerobic speed, um, then potentially we may have to drop back um, the reps and sets that he completes. Yeah, it's great. It's great summarization there, Damo. I love the uh, practical examples as well. I think yeah. ultimately, like using your MAS or it could be VO2 max as well, um, based on your test, is ultimately just a prescription tool. So it's ensuring that you're training accurately and to fulfill the needs um, to get to get fitter, essentially. Um, so if you're just guessing and saying, oh, I'll run about this far, it'll, I'll feel pretty tired then, then not really doing anything precisely. So if you can use these test results, you can work out your training to be more accurately and hopefully get some, yield some uh, better results. Yeah, that's um, it. You're, you're able to progress your training more accurately. So when you are starting to get a little bit better, um, you can actually tailor that so that your improvements are actually accurate. As you said, Sean, if you just go out and one day run hundred meters because you're feeling good. And then the next day you run 82 meters because you're not feeling so good. There's no consistency there in your training. So I guess it does having these numbers and set distances does make you accountable for what you actually have to do to get that little bit better and fitter. That's right. That's rock solid boys. That's, that's really good. I think Sean made a good point here about, being a prescription tool and it's an individualized prescription tool as well. It's not you and your mate doing you know, laps of the oval or whatever. It's specific to you, um, which is pretty unique. I think in terms of training, like when you, like if we're talking about the gym, like our, our previous podcast, we spoke about returning to the gym. Like usually if you're um, you know, planning a, a strength and conditioning program or whatnot, that like people tend to use the same program or use a similar program as well. But, with MAS, the beauty of it is that it's specific to you individually and um, it's going to help you directly, which I think is an important point. And is also probably why the the big boys use it in elite sports. So we're looking at a lot of team sports now. The elite level will look to use MAS or MAS-based tools to help improve their athletes' aerobic capacity. So I think it all comes back to uh, moving away from you know, running laps of the tan and and doing all those things that we used to do because now we know how important maximal aerobic speed is. And we know from research that we'll get a better, a better adaption in terms of our aerobic capacity, improve that by running at these high intensity measures at our MES rather than doing the long, slow five to 10 K as on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. So I think that's a, um, a pretty important point as to the advantages of using uh, the MES method. Wouldn't you say boys? Yeah, I think for coaches and players at the amateur and sub-elite uh, level, which we're sort of targeting this information to, it's also just a great way to get everyone to train together. Um, mm. Because when you set up an MAS drill, um, as we said, we can individualise that to every player in the group. So um, obviously you're not going to set up 35 different markers for different people, but you can set up um, bands or training groups. So people mm. with set you know it might be from four to 4.2 um mas scores they'll run in one group and then um 4.3 to 4.4 will run in another and so you can break up the training so that it makes it that the intensity or the distances that particular players are running are relevant to their fitness group 
but then you can also have multiple groups. So you can have your fittest players making sure that they're working at 110% of their maximum, but also uh, your least fit group are doing exactly the same training and it's at the same place, same time. You can all do it at the same time. Um, it's just slightly tailored. So it's a really good tool if you're coaching multiple players or a lot of players at one time, you can actually give them the same um, training stimulus at the same time rather than having to do, um, you know, 20 different running sessions to set that up for each of them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, so if you're running like 200s or 400s around the oval as well, then there's going to be blokes that are going to find that pretty easy and then there's some that are going to struggle a bit more. But as you said, Damo, with the, with the MAS, it's sort of an equal playing field. Yeah, beautiful. So now we know what um, MAS is and how we can program it. We should probably talk about the different training methods that are available to us that are based on our maximal aerobic speed. So basically the, it's all well and good to have your MAS and you know your score, but you, we need to use that and program that effectively to get the result we want. So there's probably two or three different ways we could go about this in terms of interval-based training, and that's where the most benefit's going to be with terms of interval, interval. So. I'll, I might just touch on the three different sort of types that we'll, that we'll look at and then you boys can go into them in a bit more detail. But firstly, we have long intervals. So essentially, I think we'll define this as probably anything over 60 seconds or, or 90 seconds essentially. But um, long intervals, typically um, we're talking about efforts where your intensity probably won't be as high as what it would be in a short interval, um, short interval method. But the the benefits surrounding long intervals are essentially accumulating volume in your legs. So one of the, the progressions in, when you're talking about maximal aerobic speed training is you don't necessarily want to jump into the high intensity short interval straight away. There is some sort of um, progression that you, you probably should follow. Obviously, if you're a more seasoned athlete, you can probably get away with this. But if you're probably, if you're recreational or you're, um, you know, you're just playing your, your, your local your local comp. You probably want to do some long intervals first because what they do is they allow you to accumulate volume and distances in your legs before moving on to high-intensity stuff. So in terms of long intervals, if we're talking about percentage of MAS, you're probably looking at 90. Um, that's probably where you're at. Probably just at that stage where you can hold your pace, but if you went for anything longer, then it would probably become unsustainable. So that would probably be the first um first method with you look at and then you probably go on a short interval training so the two short intervals that we'll typically talk about and we'll see is tabata which is essentially a japanese um, based on japanese research from the researcher tabata and that looks at basically running shuttles up and back um, and then you've got the Eurofit method as well so that's our more traditional mas running where it's sort of like a beep test you run out in time with the timer and then you run back in time with the timer. So that's probably uh, an encapsulation or a snapshot of three different, um, three different training methods there, boys. So maybe if we want to start off with long intervals, anything I've missed there, and then we'll go into the short interval stuff. Yeah. So uh, the long intervals, I guess from what you're saying there, Rob, it's, it's building the base. That's yeah. what we're doing there. So um, generally the progression for aerobic training is that you might do uh, start with, a continuous run or you might have a continuous run in your program each week so that you're just getting K's in the legs. Um, that's your distance. You're just building up that volume uh, at the start of preseason for a less seasoned athlete, as we're speaking, you might then progress that into the, the fartlek style 
um, on-off style running to increase the intensity. And then you'd probably transition into these longer interval sessions and then into your um, short intervals. So that would be the, the progression if you're starting from um, square one. So yeah. with, the, with the long interval stuff, what you'd be looking at is, um, as you said, building your capacity. So just working on, okay, this is the speed that I can run for my continuous um, and you're just trying to up that a little bit. So, um, for example, if you run, say, four-minute, 30 kilometres, when you're doing the, the interval training, you might want to try run, um, you know, four-minute 20s or four-minute 15-kilometre pace for those intervals. So you're just making yourself work that little bit harder. Um, obviously, you wouldn't be able to run at that pace for five kilometres straight, but when you do it in this interval fashion where you, say, for example, run 60 seconds on, and then have uh, you might only have 30 seconds off depending on what stage of the program you're at um, for the work to rest. But what that allows you to do is run at that pace and then you're giving yourself um, passive rest. So generally you would actually just physically stop, stand there and then start again once you've done it. Um, sometimes you may also do active rest where it's a very light jog. But um, we sort of did touch on it earlier, but what you're tra- training your body to do is um, run at those higher volume at higher intensities so run that quicker pace giving yourself that training stimulus and training your body to actually produce energy um get oxygen in at that intensity but then giving yourself that rest which we're talking about which is super important just so that you're able to um get the oxygen back so that you can keep producing energy during that rest period and then ramp it up again so um, it's going to be on off periods here. And what you're doing in the rest periods essentially is recuperating and regenerating, um, your energy stores and getting oxygen in so that you can perform at that intensity again. Absolutely. So, so Damo, you're, you spoke about rest then. So people want to know specifically how much rest. So we talk, usually we talk in terms of rest as a ratio between your work to rest, what sort yeah. of. Uh, work to rest ratio would we be looking at for a long interval? Yeah. So for long interval, um, depending on where you're at at the training program, so it would be anywhere from a one to one. So that's, um, so if we did 60 seconds work, we would then have 60 seconds rest. So it's the same. Uh, Again, if you're then starting to progress that, I, most of my prescription, I'd never really give more. I would not do a, um, like one minute work to two minutes rest, unless it was like super high intensity. So for this longer interval stuff, you would never really be reaching that point. So uh, you would be looking at having a greater work time to rest time. So you might be anywhere. So a one-to-one and you'd probably move up to a two-to-one. So if we're doing 60 Mm. seconds work for 30 seconds rest for these long intervals, you probably wouldn't go any higher than that for this set amount of distance. It just would become quite fatiguing because um, if you went to a one to three ratio uh, would be 20 seconds rest for 60 seconds work you might touch that depending on how fit you are but you would generally start to look at tweaking those work to rest ratios in the shorter interval stuff when you're doing less volume but higher intensity you could potentially do that so you'd be looking at anywhere sort of from one to one to one to three at the mm. back end of your long interval training yeah, one to three would be like, that'd be a stretch, wouldn't it? Because you still want to maintain a decent enough intensity in this because it's going to prepare you to move on to um, intensities that are greater than your MAS later on. So you probably want that one to one's probably your sweet spot. 
one to two, you could probably get away with. But yeah, if you if you're a seasoned athlete, you could probably get away with a one to three in terms of like the intensity. But you want to make sure that we're still hovering around a, a decent intensity there as well. Mm. That so might then, be that might be week, you know, three or four of your long interval, depending on how long your preseason is. You might get to that one to three, or you might just go, all right, we'll transition into uh, the shorter short. interval training. Yeah, absolutely. So then if we move into short intervals, I think Sean is still on the line there somewhere. I can hear a bit of static impacting them. So um, so short intervals I introduced before, Sean, we're talking about Tabata and Eurofit. So yep. um, Tabata is the one that you sort of go up and back. That's sort of more like a – Tabata is more like a yo-yo in the way it's run because you essentially you run out and then you turn around and you run back all in one shuttle. Whereas a Eurofit is similar, but except you stop at the end, and then you run back. So that's more like a beep test. So maybe if we want to talk about those two forms, Shawnee. Yeah, so when you start to... I think Tabata, by definition, is a is a two-to-one work rest. Um, yep. So yep. that's... Obviously, that's pretty... You're not going to be starting a program with... If you've just jumped off the couch, you're not going to be starting <laughs> with Tabata because you'll, you'll end up pretty cooked straight away. Um, that's, more, that's more your high-end stuff. As Damo said, once you've... Once you've done your, your long intervals, you've progressed into some short interval stuff and then your Tabata is sort of your, your big boy stuff where you're, you're, really, you're really pushing it. The, with the other short interval stuff, you're probably looking at about a one-to-one work rest um, mm. and then, again, two-to-one. You probably wouldn't go any further than, than that because then it's almost just continuous because the the actual reps themselves are going to be short just purely from mm. their duration. Um, yep. You probably short interval training, you're probably not going to be running for more than 20 or so seconds at a time, maybe 30 seconds. Um, simply because if you, the intensity is going to be higher and if you're trying to run at this ridiculous intensity up here that you're not used to, you're going to flame out pretty quick. Mm. So yeah. So once you've started to, so that can be sort of your, Short intervals is essentially your building block for your intensity. Is there a gauge for different sports on what time frames you would use, Shawnee, um, in in the short interval? You know, like particular sports. So, AFL is there a time range that you wouldn't go over, or soccer or rugby, just based on the demands of the game? Yeah, so I think when like when you're trying to do that, that's where your needs analysis sort of comes into play, where you you study the movement patterns of the sport and you and you work out what are our sort of common efforts that we make. And I think in in rugby particularly, they're going to be pretty short, maybe five seconds at most, but obviously you still want to train above that for when you are exposed to that. Um, Australian rules footy, that's going to be a, bit, a little bit longer than that. You're probably going to be going to around 10 and 20 seconds and soccer is probably the same as well. As, as I sort of said before, above 20 seconds maybe, but probably not above 30 seconds. That's good. It's a good programming, Sean. It's, um, it's rock Thanks, solid man. from you, mate. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll probably recap. So if you want to if you wanted to do a progression, you could you, you, you would go like something along like this. You'd probably go long intervals would be the start of your programming. Uh, again, we're talk, probably talking about an intermediate performer here, not someone who's like advanced and has years of training under their belt. So uh, long intervals would be uh, your staple for probably the first, uh, depending on how long your preseason is, you probably go for at least a couple of weeks there. And then you probably move into a Eurofit style. So that would be 
more of your beep test where you, you run out. So you're, you're probably working at maybe 15 seconds. So you probably run out for 15 seconds. That's a shuttle. You run back for 15 seconds uh, with 15 second breaks in between there. So it's a one-to-one. That would probably be a good progression then into like a Tabata. So a Tabata is obviously the way you run out, run back, all in one rep. So again, that's probably your last stage, I'd say, in your progression if you wanted to do it like that. Um, and if you want to you build your tank in, in that fashion, because like Tabata originally was very, very intense, but they modified it to make it more appropriate for team sports. So if you're talking in terms of like percentage of, of your MAS, Tabata originally was like 170%. So that's like, that's like basically maximal, but obviously with these uh, work to rest uh, periods and how far you run, we can sort of bring that back in a bit. So they're probably the main two there that you'd want to focus on in terms of, in terms of short intervals. So um, you just want to really focus on your work to rest. And then in conjunction with your, your maximum aerobic speed is as your programming tool there, you can map out the distances that are appropriate to you and, and then adjust accordingly as you develop and get better. I think boys. Yeah. Sounds good. Very good. So we might just summarize the might just wrap up the first part of this um of this component of our aerobic training um podcast episodes and essentially we've spoken about why aerobic capacity is important. And so Sean, if you in ten seconds or less, mate, why is aerobic capacity important? Uh, helps you keep running throughout a match and helps you to regenerate your energy stores. Absolutely. And then Damo, uh, Damo has a blog on this. Sorry, I'm contractually obligated to tell you that Damo has a blog on this, but how do we test aerobic capacity? Yep. So just any sort of um, running test that we've got. So it'd be a time trial over a set distance or one of our uh, beep tests or yo-yo tests um, where we can get um, a pace or a set distance that you've covered in a particular time yep lovely uh rob how do we train it well funny you ask that yeah you're probably looking at uh first you want to grab your maximal aerobic speed and then you we want to program that and we'd probably look at starting you want some long interval stuff just to build some some resilience in the legs and then move into the short interval stuff so looking at your fit and tabata sort of methods there and then again that again how we improve it that's um, that's what you that's what we use to improve it probably looking at three days a week initially moving to four days a week and then um, using our work to rest ratios around that so that's probably in a nutshell how we're going to build our tank but to finish off as I promised at the start of the episode we have a newer question boys this is a, this is this is this is a first unprecedented this is unprecedented for the Trix team but our viewer question comes from my brother-in-law Zach so thanks, Zach, for sending it in. Um, Zach is a recreational footballer, Australian rules footballer. And I'll say recreational very loosely. Um, he sort of plays in the twos a bit. Um, bit, of a, a bit of a ruckman. He also plays a bit centre-half forward as well, just because you can't move him. But he's, uh, he's trying to get back into his pre-season program uh, shortly. And he asked me about the intensity he should train at. Specifically, he said... Should he try and accumulate some kilometers in the legs and then move in intensity stuff or just go with whatever? So can we help out my brother-in-law, boys? Um, Not too much. 
I sort of, <laughs> I sort of it, it depends a little bit depending on what his starting point is, like how much training has he been doing the last sort of month or so, or is he we just pull him off the couch? Um, mate, the only the only the only gym he's been to, mate, is Jim Bean. So that point tells you everything you need to know. So if if that's the case, um, then uh, I think as we sort of spoke to you, want to spoke about before, we want to do that slow progression where we start to build the Ks in the legs, where we're going at an intensity probably a little bit below our MAS um, mm. and the longer intervals. Um, and then from there, you can start to move into some shorter uh, interval stuff and build the intensity. Um, alternatively, I think um, if you're someone that does train frequently, when it comes to volume and intensity, I think you can always be working on both. You just bias sort of one more than the other. So rather than trying to just do all volume stuff and then all of a sudden, bam, we're trying to do intensity, you can sort of sprinkle a little bit in here and there. Um, so you're working sort of both ends of the spectrum, but you're probably going to work one more than the other. That sounds good. Damo, have you got any other thoughts you can help Zach? I know he's probably beyond it, but... Um... Yeah, um, I, I would... If, if you've come from absolutely nothing... Um, a 5k continuous run or something like that is going to be a bit much potentially to start off with. So you mm. strip it back even further. So start with uh, a jog walk. So you can do a similar thing. So those long intervals. So it's legitimately a walk in between you do um, some jogging and you can slowly build up the intensity and then move into that continuous running. And then you can up the intensity with the, the longer intervals and then transition into short. And then, I mean, if, if the preseason's long enough or they're good enough, you might end up at that Tabata, but I'd imagine you'd end up at Eurofit um, style of short interval training. And that, that would get you there. Um, I think the most important thing to realize is it actually, it doesn't take too long to progress from that, mm. from the jog walk into being able to continuously run. Um, it's just time on feet and getting that volume of training in. So as you said, if you're, if you're doing three sessions a week, you would see some, drastic improvements pretty quickly um mm. so the early doors will be great improvement it's towards the back end when you're near your maximum when it's going to be um a lot smaller returns yeah so what damo said is a really good point there about the baseline of where you're coming from so i think that's probably something we didn't touch on um at the start was that if you don't have a, a developed aerobic capacity compared to someone who's more of a seasoned athlete but then your improvements that you'll see will be um, pretty impressive, um, to be honest, which is a good thing compared to someone who's um, closer to their genetic potential, if you want to use that. But again, that's another consideration uh, that we have to incorporate when we're, when we're planning your, uh, your training. But I think that will almost do us for this half of the podcast, boys. Um, just looking at the uh, time constraints. But the next half of this podcast is will be a lot more practical and hands-on. So we've discussed the theory and the background behind some of the methodology and improving your aerobic capacity through the different uh, methods we talked about. But the next episode, you don't want to miss because yours truly will be the guinea pig. So that was the first part of the aerobic training uh, podcast series we have at the moment. So this one was more of a theory-based. So we talked about the background. And into the second part of this uh, series we'll look at training me as the guinea pig so the boys will uh, help map out a program for me so um, all the listeners and viewers can um, see how we program the aerobic capacity training particularly at triax so if you do jump on board as a client you'll probably undergo the same process as i will 
in the next episode. So be sure to tune into that one, boys. I know you boys will be excited for that one. Yeah, Robert, it'll be good. We can, uh, unfortunately, I don't think we'll be running the program in person, so we can't crack the whip too much, but. No, no I'm a disciplined athlete, but that'll be good. As, as long as you're a full paying customer, Rob, I'll help you out. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, uh, that's good, Damo. That's very good, mate. Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for tuning in. So we really appreciate you watching uh, and listening to the podcast on the various streams we have. So on YouTube, on the screencast, and then on Spotify and um, on Apple iTunes podcast. So we thank you all for liking, subscribing, commenting, all that stuff. So, again, if you have any questions, feedback, or any queries, then fire them across. We'll be happy to uh, help you out in any way we can. And in doing so, we also offer some pre-season programs as well. So if you need some help trying to get yourself um, in some good shape before the pre-season starts or if you need some help during the pre-season, please reach out to us. We really uh, want to help you um, get to where you want to be. So the boys uh, and I would love to help you out in any way we can. So um, from that perspective, get in contact with us. But um, on that note, if if boys, if they do, if the people out there do want to get in contact with us, how do they do that? Sean via social media. Uh, if you search for Triax Performance on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, um, you, the can talk. Find, hey. you can find us there. I don't think the TikTok, from all accounts, the TikTok's been falling a bit flat. But Rob has mentioned to us that, you know, we, me and Damo, we actually get bombarded with messages. He'll be like, the last couple of days, Rob's like, boys, check out the reels on Instagram. They're blowing up. There's 500 views on the on the reels. Yeah, they are actually. I've had to yeah. actually mute Rob on Messenger because he keeps pestering us about it. But, but anyway, if you if you don't actually have TikTok but you like those sort of videos, you can check out the reels that Rob has been putting together on our Instagram profile. They don't come up in the feed. You got to actually go onto our profile. Keep it reels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, uh, and then Damo. So if people want to contact us in the uh, formal, old-fashioned way, how do they go about that? Uh, we accept carrier pigeon, but um, no. So email is uh, admin at triaxperformance.com. And uh, if you want to check out all our fantastic blogs or any of our programs, the website is triaxperformance.com. Well, that'll just about do us then for this episode of the Dickheads podcast. And it's probably time to, because we're quickly unraveling here, for the Triax boys. But we look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast where I will take the form of a guinea pig. So. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.